0: let's get right into it tonight we are talking about sleep now just looking at who is here tonight I think probably about 75% of us have been here for one of the sleep sessions before. Again, it's one of those really fundamental sessions that we do, that we probably do every three to four months because it's so important. And things change, research comes out, but overall, the overall general, the overarching advice is gonna be very, very similar. But tonight, we've switched things up a bit and we are gonna kick off um, with some very interesting sleep myths, which I found very, very fascinating to do my research into today, yesterday. So the aim for tonight's session is to help you to better understand your sleep and tonight we're going to be talking a lot about how sleep works and why it works that way so that you have that real understanding of why it's so important to prioritize it how it affects you day to day as well and we're going to create a plan and a routine to improve your sleep we're going to leave tonight having a structure a morning routine an evening routine making sure that we are set up for success with our sleep so let's start off with some sleep myths i found these really really interesting this one I found fascinating this first one your body gets used to getting less sleep no it doesn't you do not get used to getting less sleep you get used to the symptoms of really poor sleep so essentially for example let's everyone who's had little ones you I'm sure you can relate to this straight away but if you've ever had a night at university where you've been up till three or four in the morning getting something finished or you had a big weekend away or whatever it is anytime you've had poor a really poor night's sleep You know, you wake up the next day, you've got that brain fog, you feel tired, you feel groggy. That that impact is still there when it's been two months, two years, two decades. However, you've just got used to the symptoms. So your body doesn't ever get used to having less sleep. You just adjust to it but the detrimental impact on your body is still going on. You're still negatively being affected. You're just basically not aware of it now. You know, you've just forgotten about it. Many adults need five or less hours of sleep. Now, I talk to some of you in the team who say, I operate better on less sleep than more sleep, and yep, absolutely, that might be the case. Sleep is such an individual thing, but actually, most people need more than five hours sleep. Five and less is, is the danger zone. How long you sleep is all that matters. Hopefully everyone watching this knows that sleep quality is as, if not more important, than sleep quantity, the number of hours you sleep. When you sleep doesn't matter as long as you get enough hours. Any old shift worker is going to tell you that that is not the case. <clears throat> we know about the circadian rhythm, most of us on this call, and if you don't, you're going to learn about it in a second. We know about the circadian rhythm. It's its something that controls uh, how we feel essentially it controls when we're sleepy when we're active when we're hungry when we're energetic when we're stronger even when we're more focused that circadian rhythm of our day controls all of that and any shift work will tell you even though they get in seven hours sleep if it's during the day it really really mucks about with that circadian rhythm and they feel groggy they don't feel great most of the time this is a really common one your brain shuts down during sleep not you siri go away um your brain shuts down during sleep no it doesn't it is very very active again we're gonna go through all that today napping makes up for a lack of sleep no 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 naps often actually make us feel worse if we're gonna nap it needs to be for a very short period about 20 to 30 minutes and at least at least six hours away from when you you're going to bed bed properly right so for example you're going to bed at 10 o'clock you don't really want to be napping past 4 p.m in the afternoon Hitting snooze provides meaningful rest. I have hit snooze multiple times this week. I have had one heck of a week. We have been super busy. I've spoken to a lot of you on coaching calls this week. It has been very, very busy, has some calls with new clients potentially, and it's just been one of those crazy, crazy old weeks. So I've hit snooze a couple of times, I I will admit. And I didn't really feel much better for it. Because the quality of sleep you get in that fifteen minutes you're snoozing, you're not, as we're gonna go through, you're not in that deep restorative sleep. You've just gone back to the lightest lightest level of sleep now those are some sleep myths i want to give you some sleep facts because i found these really interesting as well i've got them on my screen about 12 percent of people dream entirely in black and white that is a weird one right that is a weird one you spend about a third of your life sleeping now that's quite a depressing thought spend a third of your life sleeping which is crazy but a cat spends two-thirds of its life sleeping on average which is pretty crazy right um how do I pronounce that one again? Parasomnia. Parasomnia is a term that refers to unnatural movements in your sleep. There we go. The record for the longest period without sleep is 11 days. doesn't sound like long, does it? But imagine going 11 days without sleep. One in four married couples sleeps in in separate beds. I'm not going to lie. I got close to that last night. I almost went in the spare room. Uh, Within five minutes of waking up, 50% of your dream is forgotten most of the time interesting facts and pain tolerance so your ability to deal with pain goes down the less you sleep so if you have sleep deprivation so you go for a period where you don't sleep very well you have two or two to five hours a night basically really poor sleep your tolerance to pain decreases think you actually sense more pain 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 receptors become more active which is crazy right um sleeping on your front sometimes can aid digestion for some people very very interesting very interesting so sleep myths and sleep facts just to kick us off something a bit different because i find this kind of stuff fascinating so why bother with sleep what's the point in getting a really good night's sleep the benefits i think we probably all are aware of most of these already right it improves your memory it improves your cognition we know what children are like with their learning when they're poorly slept the same goes for you not much changes from being a child to being an adult in terms of sleep right and what we need to remember is that learning consolidating memory um, making new connections in the brain literally building new neuro pathways so for you guys building new habits and stuff all of that is affected by a poor night's sleep when we sleep our blood pressure if we're sleeping properly is um, reduced we, we reduce our blood pressure and that basically gives our heart and a lot of our cardiovascular system mostly our heart a big rest so if we get a good night's sleep and our blood pressure is coming down as it as it should do we have improved heart health, which is really, really important, really, obviously, really, really important. Again, we know that when we are poorly slept, we are hungrier, the hunger hormone ghrelin goes up, the one that makes us feel full, uh, leptin, satiation hormone, goes down, so we're hungrier, we're snackier, we go for those less optimal, high fat, high sugar, processed foods, You know, the ones that we wanna eat, some of the time, not all of the time. We're more drawn to those ones. Also, blood sugar regulation, so our ability, your body's ability to um, secrete and deal with insulin to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels once we've eaten a meal, um, that's impaired if we are poorly slept, which again, add into that your hunger hormones you can you can easily see why you are craving and feeling snacky again decreased blood pressure when we get a good night's sleep which helps with heart health and and recovery and restoration of the body and improved mental health i think i saw i'm pretty sure don't quote me on this but i saw a statistic earlier today that 40 percent of people who struggle with insomnia also struggle with another mental health issue which is a you know a really really big chunks nearly 50 percent of people who have insomnia also struggle with um with another men with a mental health issue and 75 percent of people who struggle with depression struggle with insomnia so 75 percent of people who struggle with depression struggle with insomnia as well so it's, it's it's rife right it really really this the links are are vice versa they're, they're both sides okay they both impact each other so improved mental health of course we know we talk a lot about mental health in the team something that's really 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 important if you don't have your mental health doesn't matter how fit how strong how much of a six-pack you've got or beach bikini body blast whatever none of that matters if your mental health isn't there we know the physical doesn't really matter so let's get into sleep then let's get back into the technicals and talk a little bit more about how it all works so The basis of sleep is all around the circadian rhythm, your circadian rhythm. And the biggest thing that impacts this circadian rhythm, which is your body's natural rhythm of the day, is sunlight. Daylight is the number one, as well as keeping regular sleep and wake times regular meal times, routines, sleep is number one. Okay, that's that's the first thing. What happens is the light comes into our eyes and it hits this little bundle of cells. that has got over 20,000 neurons in it. It's a little bundle of cells called the suprachiasmatic nuclei. And all it is, so let's call it the uh, the SCN. That's a little sort of bunch of cells at the bottom of the brain. Not sure. You obviously can't see where my hand is. Um, but basically light it's sensitive to light. Light hits the, that bunch of cells, that bunch of neurons, and that helps fuel the circadian rhythm. It tells the brain when it needs to be alert, when you know our ancestors would have had to go hunting, when they need to get back to the cave. All this sort of natural internal body clock, okay? And that's responsible for everything. Responsible for when you feel tired, and hopefully that's sort of nine to eleven p.m. at night. That hot sleep hormone melatonin ramps up, and we start to feel sleepy. We it, it affects when we feel alert and awake, and that stress hormone cortisol, that wakes us up, gives us a big jolt in the morning, as well as sound also wakes us up, um, and a little bit of light coming in as well. It tells us when we should be hungry. It tells us when we are most active. And I know it's a little bit small on your screen, but hopefully you can see that it controls everything from when you concentrate um, the most to when your cardiovascular fitness—sorry, um, uh, efficiency, not fitness—when you're most efficient with your your respiratory and heart. And basically, if you go for a run at this time, you're probably going to find it easier. Sort of, sort of deal. Um, when you're when you're stronger, when your muscles contract better, so you you literally have more muscle strength. It controls everything, and of course, thinking back to you know an evolutionary sort of time. There would have been a reason for this there would have been reason a reason that these times would have been set for you and everyone's circadian rhythm is so individual completely personalized to you and night owl was it morning morning lark night owl and all this stuff you do sort of become attuned to your routines and habits but that's completely flexible you can change that if you want to if you're a night owl you can become a morning lark we just switch your circadian rhythm So let's talk about the process of sleep itself. So you go to bed, right, you go to bed, and you enter non-REM one. So REM being rapid eye movement. You enter the lightest sleep, and we're gonna talk about this a bit deeper in a second. Non-REM one, okay? Then you go into light sleep, which is non-REM two. Then we go into non-REM three, which is your deep sleep, and then comes REM, rapid eye movement. We have vivid dreaming. Now, this is something I learned from a lecture I watched the other day. You do actually dream in non-REM three. You do have some dreams in deep sleep, Um, and even it's possible to have some in light sleep, but they're really not very vivid, and you're very, very unlikely to remember them. So the vivid dreams that you can remember the next day, they happen in REM. And these cycles, they're massively individual. They range from 60 to 110 minutes, but for most people, on average, if you are a textbook person, which not many of us are, um, but if you're a textbook person, it's about 90 minutes. And you can even break that down into these little 30 minute micro cycles. So that's sleep. So you get into bed and this cycle happens. 90 minutes, then another 90 minutes, and another 90 minutes. Of course, it is a little bit more complicated than that, but roughly speaking, that's how sleep works. So when you go into non-REM1, and again, you spend 5 to 10 minutes in this probably about that. It's the lightest level of sleep. It's the transition period from wakefulness to to sleepiness, basically. It's that sort of thing where you know when you're sort of drifting off and your leg kicks out and you sort of wake yourself up, you're just drifting off. Then we go into non-REM two, our body temperature starts to come down, our breathing rate starts to drop. And our body temperature actually goes down by about one to two degrees, which for the body is a massive drop in temperature. And that's something that we can use later on. And this lasts for about 20 minutes in total, give or take, obviously, very, very individual. If you wake up in this, you then obviously, you can enter at the previous stage. Non-REM three is the deepest sleep, it's the most restorative sleep. Our muscles relax, breathing um, slows down even f- <coughs> even further. Just coughing on my, <coughs> bit of my Snickers ice cream <coughs> there from earlier there. Um, blood pressure <coughs> drops, excuse me, um, and then we go into REM, REM sleep, okay? So then the brain sort of becomes, um, most active right hence the rapid eye movement and the really really vivid dreams the body completely relaxes and then it becomes immobilized so if you ever had one of those really horrible dreams where you can't get up and you can't move it's sort of linking your wake state wake state your your waking state to your sleeping state because your brain's sort of aware that the body can't move and obviously the brain is shut off muscles but sometimes if you're having a really vivid dream you can have a nightmare or something and they overlap who's had that let me know in the comments because that those those um dreams are absolutely horrible they're really really horrible i don't know if anyone's had those Hope hope, uh, hope. no one's had many of them, but they're, they're really intense dreams, not very nice at all. So that's how sleep works, and it's not a line, you don't go in at one and come out at REM and go back to the front, um, back to the top. You might every now and then wake up in the middle of the night, there might be a bang, there might be a noise, someone might turn over and nudge you. So you might come out and you might go back in. So it's not such a nice tidy sequence, it might be a little bit messier than what we can see on the screen. So, that is the science of sleep, that is how sleep works. Those are some sleep facts and some sleep myths. Has anyone got any questions? Before we get into the planning, make sure you've got your notepad and pen, you've got actions at the top, day actions, evening actions, and pre-bed or pre-sleep actions. So we've got three rows and one column. So we're gonna go through the day, and I'm gonna give you some advice that I've probably already discussed with you, but it's always good to recap it and it's always good to recover these things. And if you're new to the team um, or you haven't had this session before, this is going to be really, really important advice. So, any questions whatsoever before I move on? Um, Helen has had those sorts of dreams. Find herself totally awake, eyes open, but completely still. Yeah, it's awful. And I've always, I, when that happens, Helen, I, I always think, Am I awake or am, am I asleep? Am I dreaming? Because it feels like you're awake completely, but then. I don't know. Then you fall back asleep and I don't know. Are you awake? Are you asleep? Who knows? The brain is another one of those weird anomalies, isn't it? Where the brain just shows you how complicated and and complex it is. Any questions at all, guys? And then I'm going to get moving. Make sure you've got these columns written down. So let's talk about the daytime. What can we do during the day? to help you get the best night's sleep you possibly can do. So first of all, it all begins with your morning routine. So what you do in the morning is gonna impact on the rest of the day and it's gonna impact therefore on how you sleep the next night. So stop thinking about your sleep routine or your your bedtime routine um, as just just being about the half an hour before you go to bed. We need to think bigger than that because everything you do is gonna impact it. So we wake up in the morning, we wanna rehydrate first thing, okay? I know lots of us have little ones and that that, that makes things a bit more of a logistical you know, operation. But if you can take five to 15 minutes first thing in the morning to have some quiet time to yourself, you know, to read a book, to have a coffee, to do some stretches, to do some yoga, meditation, just to stand outside, to go for a walk, whatever you do, if you can have five minutes of quiet time when you wake up, you you will start the day so much calmer, so much more relaxed and you will feel so much better going to the rest of the day. So that's gonna be number one. Now. When we wake up, we need to keep that consistent, that wake time. If we're waking up at half past five some nights, quarter mornings, quarter past six some mornings, then it gets to the weekend, you're waking up at ten o'clock, nine o'clock. Your circadian rhythm sort of doing this. And it's when you have when you over oversleep, you wake up feeling worse because it's almost like you're in a bit of a mini jet lag. It's like your circadian rhythm has been clicked an hour or two one way, and your body's just sort of like, I'm where am I? kind of thing. Literally like jet lag. So we need to have a consistent wake time. When you do have that morning routine, like I said, you wake up, have a glass of water, take five minutes of quiet time. If you can get some light in your eyeballs, it's gonna really, really help, natural light. So we're really lucky. We're going into spring now, which is amazing. Winter has gone on for far too long, but we're headed towards spring. The mornings are becoming lighter. So within a month or two, probably a month really, I'm not sure about the the sunrise times. If anyone knows, let me know. But within about a month of now, at the time of recording this, it's sort of end of February, 2023, within a month, The sun's going to be coming up a heck of a lot earlier. You're probably going to be able to go for a walk at half six, maybe, and it'd be light, or six o'clock and it'd be light. If that doesn't work for you, your family, your routines, maybe when you get to school you dump your bags and you go out on the playground and you just walk around for five minutes and just get some sunlight on your skin and in your eyes because that is going to really help your it's a signal it's a sign to your body this is the time of day you need to be awake you need to be alert let's go for it that's what it does so morning routine with some light getting some movement in during the day making sure that we're moving our body we know that this helps to you know get us you know, get a lot of oxygen in us it helps to pump the blood around our body that helps us to stay alert throughout the day anyway but it just wakes you up doesn't it It changes scene a bit of fresh air if you can, a lunchtime walk a few times a week will be an amazing addition to your routine. That can really, really help. So, I've really given you about five to 10 things there to think about. Pick one or two from each section and just jot them down on your plan for your daytime routine. Just going back to that, it was daytime, evening time, pre bedtime. Okay, so we're coming up with your own routine, your own plan. Make your meal times consistent. If you're eating breakfast at six o'clock then you're eating breakfast at 10 o'clock then you're eating at eight o'clock it's going to impact the circadian rhythm and it's going to impact your hunger hormones if you don't want to feel really really hungry ever you know you want to avoid feeling super hungry which we all do try and keep those meal times consistent because it tells your body when it needs to increase that hunger hormone and then increase that satiation hormone, okay? It tells you when it needs to do do the things that you want it to do. Sunlight exposure, 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 limiting caffeine after lunchtime. We know that caffeine has a four to six hour half-life. So I always say five hours because it's smack bang in the middle. It has a five hour half-life. So you have a really, really strong coffee at 3 p.m. At 8 p.m., so let's say you have 100 milligrams of caffeine in a coffee, which isn't isn't hard to do really. It's just one strong coffee. Um, by 8 p.m., you've still got 50 milligrams rocking around your system when you're starting to try to wind down. Then at 1 a.m. in the morning, you've got 25 milligrams still in your system. So got to be really wary of caffeine. My advice, don't have it after lunchtime. Have it in the morning. If you can have one, limit it. Try and knock down your caffeine throughout the day. And just bear in mind, things like Coke, Diet Coke, um, Coke Zero, Other brands are available. You know, we're not sponsored by Coke, Pepsi, all that kind of stuff. They often have caffeine in as well. Chocolate has a little bit of caffeine in. Um, Obviously, certain teas and stuff have caffeine. So just be aware of, of that. Hydration, staying really, really hydrated. And then if you are gonna get a training session in, you know, you are gonna have a good session of movement, making sure that you're getting your training sessions in. So moving on then, let's go and look at box number two. So this is in the evening. Okay, so we're onto the second box. We wanna be eating our dinner again at a suitable time. We don't wanna be eating really, really late and going to bed stuffed likewise we don't want to be eating really early and going to bed with a rumbling stomach it doesn't work this will be very personal as it always is you will feel better eating at a certain time and you'll you'll know if you like to go to bed with a slightly more full stomach you'll eat later and if you want to go to bed completely empty or feeling like you fully almost you know fully digested from the top of your stomach your food you know it's not sitting on your stomach you're obviously going to want to eat a little bit later and you've got to move this around family time as well planning and preparing for the next day one of the big things that makes us feel anxious on edge makes us feel like we're still going is the fact that your brain is still trying to think of and remember things i saw an amazing quote the other day your brain is for thinking th- thinking ideas not for holding them okay gonna repeat that your brain is for thinking ideas not for holding them so when you think about what the brain actually does when it comes up with, you know cr- really creative ideas it has it has that spark, doesn't it, right? It has that, those, those neurons fire and it has that connection. Our working memory is very, very limited. We know this, we, we, we apply this with children every single day. We don't want to cognitively overload them, you know, working memory overload and all that kind of stuff. So we can only hold a, a small amount of information, which is why I asked you to get a notepad and pen, right? Because you're gonna write stuff down so you can remember it. Our brain isn't made, really, for storing loads of information in our working memory certain things get consolidated to long-term memory obviously and obviously we have short-term memory as well but when you think about the amount of decisions you make in a day the amount of thoughts you have in the day the amount of conversations you have with children remembering the resources and the lessons and the timings and the changes and you know jimmy's got his you know i don't know hay fever medication to take and thing he needs to go and now you know go down to the office earlier before lunch because they're diabetic and this person needs to do this and you know james is going home with nanny and holly's going home with cousin he said cousin it then going home with cousin brian i don't know who's called brian nowadays um but yeah you know you've got all these things to remember all this information all these things to hold so you're coming home you've still got all this rattling around the brain we need to get that out we need to empty some of those thoughts out so by mind dumping and i would always encourage you to mind dump maybe some highlighters so highlight the home stuff green highlight the the urgent stuff, red. Highlight the school stuff, blue. Whatever it is, mind dump. Highlighters. Get it organised so your brain can relax. Your brain can switch off. One of the things that the brain does is it tries to keep you remembering things that it perceives as threats, and it perceives a lot of your to do list as threats. If your head teacher's emailed you, it's not a saber toothed tiger, but your brain is going to go, "Bing, right? That's on alert. Let's go. You've got something you need to remember because it's worried about." getting told off or being late and these are all perceived threats of the body so we need to mind dump plan and prepare for the next day that means mentally as well as get your breakfast sorted best thing I, i've ever ever did right when i was in the classroom was when i was cooking my break my dinner i would make my breakfast and i would either cook double of my dinner for lunch the next day or i would quickly whack together a wrap or a sandwich or something for the next day i always did it as i was already in the kitchen i wasn't dirtying any more tools or surfaces or, or cutlery or anything that I needed to clean it was all just one thing so when I cooked dinner I did breakfast and lunch non-negotiable plan prepare pack your bag get it sorted minimize napping when you get home from school have a really clear bedtime so if you again want to get up at 6 30 work back in those 90 minute cycles okay I need to be asleep for 10 o'clock which means I need to be upstairs in bed relaxing for 9 30 which means I need to turn my phone off at nine o'clock or I need to close the laptop latest of 8.39. Hopefully, you're not doing too much work at home anyway. And if you are, let me know because we need to talk about that and we need to get that, uh, you know, hit hit that one on the head sort of thing. Um, but sometimes, you know, balances like this. Sometimes you do need to do some work at home. So close that laptop as soon as you possibly can. Begin to limit your screen time, right? So hopefully you all know this by now we've probably spoken about it before try and limit your screen time as early as you possibly can if you need to put your phone in one of those little lockable phone jail cases if you need to uh, give it to a partner if you need to switch it off and leave it in another room do whatever you need to do but just make sure you are having minimum 60 minutes of screen free time before bed minimize alcohol caffeine and nicotine so you get into bed or you're preparing for bed What we really, really want to make sure is that our sleep space is set up for us. So you've already opened a window half an hour before. It's a cool, cool temperature because we know that our body temperature needs to come down. It's really dark. Blackout blinds, if possible. If you've got a street light outside, especially, TV's off, minimal. If right now you're thinking, well, this person, maybe it's the person sat next to you right now who's listening to me as well, uh, likes to have the TV on 10 minutes before bed you have a quite difficult conversation maybe you need to be one one of those one in four couples where one of you sleeps in the other bed right Maybe it's just a case of it we just need a cut and dry. No, no TV in the bedroom. Whatever it is, because even if you're getting your phone out and you're scrolling through your emails, which I know a lot of you do, for five minutes before you try to go to sleep, that screen time, that light, that blue, bl- the blue light out of the spectrum of light, really affects our melatonin. It stops our sleep hormone from being regulated. Right, stops it from increasing when it needs to between nine and eleven o'clock at night for most people. So dark as possible, minimal noise, earplugs if you need to, eye mask if you need to fresh air coming in hopefully clean comfortable bedding hopefully you've all got clean bedding on anyway warm shower before so what we can do is take a warm shower before and then our body temperature will naturally cool down after the shower something that is has been shown to work quite a lot is lavender so natural lavender oil not the sort of synthetic fake stuff but real natural almost um essential oils of of lavender that has been shown decent research for that one then you get into bed we need to maybe come up with some things to help you drift off maybe it is mind dumping okay maybe it's breathing meditation music headspace Maybe it's a body scan, so starting at the top of your head, scanning down your body. Could start at the top, could start at your feet, start somewhere obviously. I like to start at the top of my head personally, but scanning down and then as you're going through, you're literally thinking about each muscle relaxing. So literally, you're you know, you getting to here, you're thinking about your your um, brow relaxing and then you're sort of getting to here and you're thinking about your jaw relaxing and you're just calming and then your shoulders and you're untensing your shoulders. And you're just thinking about each muscle and as you go through each muscle you're imagining it just releasing and just just um just letting go basically right ball of sunlight is another really good focus activity that headspace uses we'll talk about headspace in a second ball of focus a ball of sunlight is imagining literally a ball of light and you can again start at the top of the head and imagine it going through some of the key points of the body so above the head um between the eyes uh in your throat in your chest sort of um what's this thing called again your diaphragm uh, down to your navel and your belly button and um, down to your feet so i think those are like the chakras or whatever they have in like yoga and and stuff like that um but yeah thinking about the ball of light focusing uh, and passing through those different points you can do dia- diaphragmatic breathing can never say that word so think about chest and belly breathing and pushing your belly out as much as possible and it's just different ways to help us get air to the bottom of our lungs and use the part of our lungs that we don't normally use it's really really calming for the central nervous system all these things are about calming down your central nervous system, bringing down your blood pressure, bringing down your breathing rate, and calming your mind, okay? Clear your mind, write a hot letter. If someone's really peeing you off today, write a letter to that person. Don't write a text because you're not on your phone. Write a letter to that person. You're never gonna send it, you're never gonna give it to them, but you get it off your mind. Do some journaling. We've got those reflective questions, three in the morning and three in the evening, you can ask yourself those ones. So hopefully you've picked a couple, of these, a couple of these things that you can now put in place to support your sleep. So, if you would like to try out some of the sleep apps that are available, here are my top four. So first of all, we have Calm. It has a really extensive library of relaxing stories and music. It's lovely, Jay Shetty, if you like Jay Shetty, he is on there, he does some meditations and stuff. Guided meditation programs, um, focusing on um, stress and anxiety. All And this is a good bit, all new users get a seven day free trial. So if you would like to try that one out, give it a go becca's just said yeah good point uh if you um are a teacher you get a discounted membership you need to provide proof yeah i think it is five you definitely used to be free as well so either it's still free or it's at least discounted so headspace it's awesome i used to use headspace for my class they loved it absolutely loved it Moving on then, the second app you can see is Sleep Cycle, and this is one I use for a long time. It's quite funny because it records you, um, and if you if you're a sleep talker like me, you get all sorts of weird and wonderful things coming back to you in your recordings, and it does make for quite a good laugh the next morning. Um, the app tracks your sleep patterns and your heart rate if you've got a watch or something. It features a really, really good selection of sleep stories and sounds, and the smart alarm helps to wake you up or it tries to wake you up in, in that lighter stage of sleep. Remember we spoke about the sleep cycle sort of thing, hence the name of the app. It, it, it listens to you and it judges by your breathing, by your, your movements and the rustling when you're in your lighter stage of sleep and it tries to wake you up when you're in your lighter stage of sleep. If you guys have got any other tips, anything else you use, any, any other apps or anything, chuck them in the comments because it's important that we, we share all of our knowledge. But well, there's also the Lumi, I think it's called the Lumi, and it's supposed to be like a natural sunlight lamp that wakes you up slowly because the light comes on like the sun. Um, again, it's not gonna ever gonna be as good as that but it's supposed to wake you up more naturally so that could be something to look into then we've got headspace the third one down wide selection of guided meditation programs compatible with apple health tracking feature lets you monitor your progress and that's always something that's good for our creating a habit final one then um i forgot what this one's called completely forgot what this one's called why didn't i write that down (laughs) this is one i've only used a few times totally forgot what it's called it's not called yours might be called yours well, there might be another one i'll tell you i'll find out what that one's called and um, new users receive a sleep assessment to pinpoint patterns and ongoing issues which i think is really really interesting something that we could all probably use built-in programs for meditation and sleep coaching which is pretty cool and um, at uh, the app tracks your sleep data to help you get enough rest so those are some of the top apps i'll just get my um Get my history up now, so I can tell you the the name of that one. I only used it a few times myself, um but the other ones absolutely fantastic. Really, really useful. Really, really good apps. I would definitely recommend Sleep Cycle, Calm. I've used it a few times. I think I only really got it for the free trial, so I haven't got loads of um experience with Calm, but it's pretty good. I've, I've used it a little bit, um, and like I said, Jay Chessy's on there. If you're a fan of his. So guys, that is sleep. Hopefully now you're looking at your page and you've got, what do I do in the daytime? What do I do in the evening? And what do I do just before bed and around bedtime? And hopefully you've got um, some notes about your sleep space and any changes you want to make. Now I do have a sleep checklist for you. So if you would like a sleep checklist, if you would like me to send it over, let me know what I'll do probably actually. I'll tell you what, I'll just comment it below this video as soon as we are, we are done.